0: Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. You know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another episode of the Wreck Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game. It's my pleasure to be here every month talking with my friends about poker because I have the best job in the world. Um, Like I said, I'm uh, Bluffsterini in the home game at Wreck Poker Jim on Twitter. And if you want to find out more about me or the rest of the wrecking crew, you can go to wreck.poker slash crew. But hang on, you're going to meet a couple of them right now kim why don't you lead us off
1: i'm kim kilroy i am for the 56 in the home game i am pet fat or pet that 33 everywhere else
2: i'm rab 50 or i'm rob wash from rab man 50 just about everywhere and you know i didn't hear anything when the introduction was coming through so i wasn't prepared <laughs> for this wonderful podcast because i was expecting to hear that introduction music Oh so you, well. might, you might you might want to check that before we go to air this
0: I think that you have caught me not having my screen audio sharing on. See, where's Chris Jones? I need a producer. This is clearly the message that we're getting here, is I need a producer. we were just coming out of the Norman Chad uh, Chats edition, and I didn't have Chris or John there, who are normally the people that run the stream and make sure everything goes tickety-boo and help me remember to hit my audio cues properly. And um, I had to do it all by myself this week, and I didn't not do a perfect job. So I thought
1: you were adding the key, uh, adding the audio afterwards. Just <laughs> That's what I thought too. The <laughs> behind the curtain.
0: <laughs> we might see if Roger shooty and Diego Espinasse are able to come in and wave their magic <laughs> wand. If you're listening to this and you did hear that audio bumper music, then you know we've got a team of wizards behind the scenes right. making it all happen. But I can't take credit for it going well. I. D- <laughs> I screw it up all the time, and I'm just doing my best here, folks, like everybody else. Uh, But it is a freaking phenomenal opportunity. I love being here every week. One of these days, I am going to nail those audio cues. In the meantime, I have to thank our sponsors, uh, Mark Bershon over at Website Amp and uh, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. And I got to thank our uh, premium members like Eric Anderson. Eric's here uh, to join in the conversation. Eric's a prolific poster in our forums and an active member in a lot of our strategy conversations. Um, Eric, welcome back to the show. And why don't you just tell folks in Rec Poker Nation where they can get a hold of you?
3: Uh, the easiest way is I'm E Anderson 85 uh,
0: at the home game or at uh, Rec Poker. There you go. He's E Anderson 85 everywhere. What a pro. So, as you know, it's Monday night. We are recording a forums edition of the podcast tonight. We're all playing in the nightly home game, trying to steal each other's chips. And uh, we're going to have a good time talking about poker like we do every week. So, last week we talked about uh, a few things to do with the main event, WSOP main event this year. We talked about some travel tips. We looked at a hand and we swore that we were going to talk about this King Ten hand um, in the, on the next show. So we're going to continue that theme today. Uh, this is a hand I played on day two of the main event. And uh, as we talked about last week, in case you hadn't listened, I'll just briefly go over. There's a very unique three betting dynamic in the main event. Um, People really don't want to leave. And it tends to generate, in in my experience, the people that on my tables were overfolding to three bets. And when players are overfolding to three bets, then that should kind of change the range of hands that we choose to three bet with. Um, So I decided to three bet more widely with hands that had ace or king blockers in them. And I was getting a lot of folds, so I just kept on doing that. King 10 offsuit is my least favorite hand in all of poker. That's not hyperbole. It's actually my least favorite hand. I never call with it. It's a three-better fold for me. And obviously, it's a good candidate for a three-bet because it's got a king in it. It uh, blocks your opponent's ability to have pocket kings or ace king, king queen, other strong hands like that. And it's just not a very strong hand. So if you're faced with a four bet, it's pretty easy to release it and just let it go. Um, so if uh, you want to listen to the last couple of weeks, you can kind of get gain a little more context. But for our regular listeners, we'll just jump into the hand here. So this is a spot where uh, we're on level six. So the blinds are four hundred, eight hundred, with an eight hundred dollar ante or an eight hundred chip ante. And uh, we're sitting on about 45 big blinds effective. Middle position opens to 2K, which is two and a half big blinds. And I am on the button looking down at King 10 offsuit. I choose to 3-bet, as we've discussed. I 3-bet to 6,000, and it folds back around to the original opener who calls uh, 4,000, and we go to a flop. Uh, so the flop comes Queen of Diamonds, 9 of Diamonds, 4 of Clubs. They check. And the first question I have for the group is, should we be c-betting here? And I guess we can just get into it. It's a 2-Diamond, Queen-9-4 flop. We're in position. Um, and we have King-10 offsuit. And I don't believe we had the King of Diamonds. So. Typically, you know, c-betting generates a lot of folds. That's why it's a standard. It's a good exploit to be c-betting a lot. People fold to c-bets a lot. In order to have a c-bet, you have to have taken the aggressive action on a previous street. So your range is usually uh, pretty strong. And your opponent has typically capped their range by calling on a previous street. So their range is not as strong as yours. So you generally get some folds. In this case, when players are overfolding to three bets, when they choose to continue, it usually means that they're continuing with a stronger range of hands than would normally do so. So I did think that this player had a pretty strong range of hands. Um, When it comes to equity, maybe if we turn a, a king or get a king on the river, that would improve us to a top pair hand that might take it. Obviously, if we hit a jack, we're going to make uh, the nine to king straight, which is a good one to make. Um, But it's unlikely otherwise that we're going to make a really big hand and we don't have a diamond. There's two diamonds on the board. So we don't, there's not really a lot of great cards for us. Most of the cards that are going to come that aren't a diamond are going to be a brick. So... First off, what's what's your take on this, gang? Um, Queen, nine, four, two diamonds. Is this a standard C-bet? Why are we even talking about it? Is it a standard check back given the three-bet dynamics? Is it somewhere in the middle? Um, Rob or Kim, what, what's your take on this? Do you have a, a, a default position?
1: Oh, I like a small uh, C-bet here on this board in position. And mm-hmm. I think most of the time that's going to, Fold out all of your pairs lower than nines yep. um, that are currently ahead of you. I yep. uh, maybe check back if we did have the king of diamonds, but probably think it's more often a C bet here. And we might fold out some ace high hands mm-hmm. that don't contain a diamond, like ace five suited that is not clubs or diamonds. Yep. Uh, ace small suited. Um, a suited below the nine, I guess.
2: My question is, what kind of range did you put this specific player on? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, good question. Um, I thought that they were one of the players that would overfold to three bets. So that was one assumption I made when I decided to, to raise them pre-flop. So when they call... I think it's a lot of pocket pairs. Um, it should be a lot in my mind. It should be a lot of like pocket pairs and suited Broadway. Maybe some suited aces. Like nobody was for betting light. So you might think that, Oh, they might be for betting with like ACE five suited or something like that. Every once in a while, I, I didn't get the impression that this field was doing that much at all. Yeah. So they could have some suited aces that, uh, that they called with or some, some Broadway offsuit aces that uh, this board sort of intersects with, but mostly I think the hands that they're going to continue with versus a C bet are going to be flush draws and um, maybe some like pair plus draw combos, like with a queen, Jack queen 10, you know, that sort of thing where they've got a piece of this Uh, and I I wasn't sure if I get them off it.
2: Yeah, this is a, probably a frequency thing. Um I think you probably have a certain percentage of the time that you want to see bet this and another percentage of the time that you want to uh check it. But I'm thinking it's primarily a see bet. Um you're already, I mean, your king 10 is a total air type bluff three bet already, right? It's yes. not even in the normal range of three betting. Um so obviously if you got four bet, you're folding immediately. Yes. <laughs> so you're you're in the middle of a um of a of a bluff is what you're in the middle of right now. Yes. You're you're bluffing that you're really, really strong because you three bet. Um so yeah, I think I think you probably want to favor a C bet here. And I like Kim's sizing. Um C bet small, 25, 33 type percent C bet. And most of the time you're going to get a fold from, you know, people with pocket eights, pocket tens, pocket sevens, those types of hands that are just not going to feel very comfortable calling a C bet. And I'm thinking who's, what are they calling a three bet with? And I'm thinking it is going to be a pocket pair most of the time.
1: Yep. Um, I, I I don't think 10s should fold to a small c-bet. I don't think we'll fold out 10s.
0: But 8s and...
1: Yeah, we could fold out 8 and below on the pocket pairs and some ace highs, which are currently beating us.
3: Mm-hmm. It, if you and guys even, remember... Oh, go ahead.
1: You know, go ahead. Yeah.
3: Oh, if you guys remember, Gareth James gave us that spreadsheet. Um, yeah. For 40 big blinds. I just looked it up. Queen 9-4 is on there. He says you should c-bet it. Twenty-five percent of the time, or bet quarter pot, forty percent of the time, and bet three even. Uh, uh, the exponential betting for fifty-seven percent of the time, and oh, what's wow. our SPR? Our SPR is what uh, seven probably about
0: six? Yeah, something like that in a three bet pot. So, yeah,
3: so that would be a sixty-eight percent pot bet. So a two-thirds pot bet.
0: That's recommending. Interesting. And Eric's referring to um, a program we, we did here with Gareth James, our premium members can access at any time, uh, going over flop textures. And Gareth has a very systematic and effective way of categorizing different flop textures and going through how you should act according to your range on various various boards is really illuminating and really helpful. Um,
2: well, what's, what's the abstraction in that? Is that is that a three bet pot?
0: <clears throat> oh, no, that's a,
3: that. That's you know, when you're the art open raiser. Yeah.
2: Right. yeah, you're the opener, and you're getting called from somebody out of position. Like I think it blind. was cut so, off to
3: big blind. Yeah, right.
2: Right. So that's a totally different, totally right. different dynamic from the standpoint of uh the ranges that we're talking about now.
1: Right. Yeah, I the have, ranges
2: will be a lot tighter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I ran this one in Odin as mm. a three bet as a three bet pot, and. They like a check just like under like 37, 38% of the time. And the rest of the time you're betting small, like Rob said, 25% or 33% pot.
0: Nice. Okay. So. And I guess what we're, we're really, because their range is narrowed by calling a three bet. Um, it's not like they're going to fold a hand like 10 jack of diamonds where they're not going to fold oh. the very strong uh, draws anyway. So we're really just targeting the hands like the pocket pairs and the ace high. That are beating us already.
1: Yes. And also you can become a little exploitative in this sense when you're in live poker, because you already know this opponent. You've been playing with them for a while. If you know yes. this person is very sticky, you might want to just check back sometimes. Right. And if you know this person folds, if they don't, is hit or miss, then you might want to just see that small.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you can go a little bit more on your reads. If you have no read, then, um, you know, I I don't think you're making a mistake by checking and you're not making a mistake by betting small.
0: Excellent. Um, I did consider a C-bet. I'm not sure what caused me to check back. I think just, I don't know if I had, Maybe I had been stealing a couple pots recently, and I felt like it just I didn't have the image to be taking it away on this board um, so i I chose to check back and we get to the turn. The turn is the ace of hearts um so it's Ace of Hearts, Queen of Diamonds, Nine of Diamonds, four of clubs, and our opponent checks again, and at this point we're faced with this opportunity to have a delayed c-bet or to check back. And this is the crux of the hand. This is the spot that I was really interested in in real time. And this spot comes up fairly often, I think. And I was just worth examining. So whether, we should or whether I should or shouldn't c-bet in this particular spot, when we've got a hand like king-ten and the board is ace-queen-nine, we've got pretty close to the nut-no pair. Like if we had king jack, we'd actually have the nut no pair right now, which just means that it's impossible for anyone to have a better hand than us without having a, a pair or better. So, um, you know, if the flop comes 974, ace king is the nut no pair. If the flop comes ace 4 3, uh king queen is the nut no pair. So when you've got the nut no pair, it's kind of a unique position because you're you're beating all your opponent's unpaired hands. And when the turn comes an ace and you've got a king, suddenly your hand strength has changed a little bit because you have more showdown value relative to uh, the, rest of your, the rest of the time you're in that situation. So I was kind of torn between the notion of the ace is a really good card for my range, is a three-better, So I can see bet here and they'll fold a lot of the time, but a lot of the hands that they'll fold, I might, I'm kind of still ahead of with my King high all their, all their draws that aren't paired. Um, Okay. I'm seeing some, (laughs) I'm seeing some head shakes in the zoom. This is why I want to talk about this. Um, So I chose to, well, let's not even get into the results of the hand just yet. So, Kim and Rob, in whichever order that you like, it uh, sounds like you're arguing for a seabed here, but what is it about my rationale that is not on? Is it that they just have other hands, that they will fold, that it's valuable for us to fold? Or is it that King High just, even though there's Nace on the board, it doesn't change its strength enough as a, as a bluff catcher? E- either one of you jump right in. I mean, you've
1: got, it. for me, the- This is a three-bet pot. If it was a single-raised pot, then maybe King High has some showdown value. But in in this three-bet pot, what are we possibly beating here? Mm. Like, there's very few hands that we're possibly beating. And maybe Jack-10 suited. Well, let's deny the equity to that hand and bet anyway. Right. Because that hand has a heck of a lot of equity. Yep. Right. So um, we're going to, if we bet here as a delayed seed bet, we can fold out all kinds of smaller pairs and hands that have beat us, that have us beat currently.
2: Or, or like Kim said, have a lot of equity mm-hmm. uh, yeah. if they continue, if they're allowed to continue. You know, if you see, if they're allowed to see the river uh they they could realize that equity and uh a nut no pair hand is not what you want to be getting to a showdown with in a three bet pot
3: this and is also, also a good bluff hand also, because you have a draw to the nuts yeah. i mean you get your jack you're you're probably going to win so yep.
1: they also can bluff the river if you've, right. if you've just checked twice with a hand that you are currently beating
2: Mm-hmm. And nice. you would have a hard time calling that bet on the river, right, because as Rob says, they always have it <laughs> <laughs> that's right, and especially when
0: they lead out the river, right Rob, that's like the prime right. spot where they always have it um okay, well, I really like that point um from the gang here about the difference between a single race pot and a three bet pot because you're you're absolutely correct when people get. Post, when they get to the flop in a three-bed pot. They're going to have less of that garbage that is behind a top uh, a, a king high hand, um, which is a real strong argument for for making the c bet. So let's let's take this conversation slightly out of this hand here, and let's just pretend that this was a, a normal spot where I had raised and gotten called, and. Um, it plays out exactly the same in that kind of spot, which I think people will encounter more often, uh, when you have King high or you've got the nut, no pair, um, and the ACE comes on the turn at that point, how do you decide whether to see better or not, or whether to try and get that King to show down, or are we ever trying to get King high to show down on an ACE high board? Is that just not a smart plan? Um, I see a shake Uh, from Kim.
1: No, I just think this is just always a a, a nut card for our our range. And we should be betting this card. yeah, Whether we have it or not. Then we also, if we don't have any bluffs, then we are exploitable. Mm -hmm. So we have to have some bluffs here. And when you have King High, that's a bluff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because my thinking was that I had worse hands to bluff with um or maybe hands that have just less showdown value and rob <laughs> in a three no. bet
2: pot that's the worst yeah. hand you could have in that three bet pot <laughs> <laughs> might not be the worst hand i can have in a three bet pot <laughs> sure no i take your point the worst yeah. hand most people would have in a three yeah. bet pot
0: <laughs> yeah that's a good point that's a good point okay well that's that's i mean yeah obviously uh, having it having it be a three bet pot really changes the ranges. It changes the dynamic. And so it changes the proportion of the range that you're going to be beating with, uh, with an unpaired hand. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And when you put it like that, yeah, they're probably not going to be in there with a lot of um, seven, eight, you know, and um, suited and, and down from there. And most of the, most of the suited connectors higher than that already have at least a pair, if not, um, if not a pair plus draw. So, All right. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now we talked about a small uh, sizing on the flop if we were to choose to see bet on the flop, and even though it's suit, there's the flush draw out there, and it's kind of connected. I see the argument behind that. Given that we did check, uh, what do you guys like for a sizing here at this point? The pot, the pot's about fourteen thousand, and. Uh, it's checked to us again in position. What kind of sizing do you like? I like anywhere between
1: forty percent and sixty-five percent
0: pot. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not that little stab. We're actually putting. No. We're, no, we're no giving. Bigger. We're putting some real
2: fold equity here.
1: Yeah, a, a little on the range of the fifty to sixty-five percent, mostly. Yep.
2: Yeah. I'd probably personally i'd probably go 40. i mm-hmm. I'd go just a little under half. Um make it, you know, i think he's going to be pretty inelastic. Right. Um if you make it a small stab, that's an opportunity for him to, you know, check raise you. Whereas you make it 40, you know, to to that to what kim said like 60, 65%, it's going to make it much more difficult for them to put out a uh check raise so i think the sizing that you chose was was very was adequate um a little scary right (laughs) yes right because he called a three bet he could very easily have a hand like an ace jack yep ace jack of hearts or something that or not heart ace hearts was the no ace jack of uh spades or something like that yes and now he's now he's probably going to continue with that ace.
1: But that's so, easy, then, it, then it's easy for us to get away from the hand unless we hit our jack,
2: mm-hmm. and then, right,
1: you know we're golden.
3: Oh, well, it'll it, be the jack of diamonds and the
0: flush will come in. Of course,
2: <laughs> of course it will. Of course it will.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because I was kind of worried at the time. Uh, you know, if if I. Because I check behind, I don't really get to narrow their range um, on the flop. So I was sort of like, they do have some aces that they called the three-bet with that maybe they would have folded to a, a flop on the C-bet, and I'm going to be annoyed if they have that now. Um, but it is such a good card for our range. And I think, uh, so I did end up C-betting, or uh, yes, I ended up uh, delayed C-betting the turn, 7,500 into 14000 so just a little over half pot and uh, they did fold and i mean as kim says earlier the ace is just such a good card for our range as the three better there um i don't think they had a queen because they probably wouldn't have che- well maybe they would have checked a queen when the ace came but i think they could even like uh, you know some players would even end up finding a fold there uh with a queen even if they were planning to check raise the flop or something like that and that's that's really like that's a lot of hands then uh, when that ace comes if that's scaring them off. But I think they definitely fold the, the under pairs and the other hands right. that Kim and Rob were getting at.
1: What I don't think like it's unlikely they have a queen because if they have a queen, it's probably ace, queen, king, queen. Mm, we we're blocking king, action. queen with our yeah. hand. Or um,
2: queen, jack suited. You know, yeah.
1: it possibly. But a lot of people even fold that in the main event in the three bet. Wow. Plot. Yeah. Um, and when they're out of position, a lot mm-hmm. of people will call more likely to call it when they have position. So mm. if he had three bet from the big line, but let's play devil's advocate here and pretend they called your bet
0: mm. on the turn. Mm-hmm. And
1: let's pretend the jack of diamonds does come on the river <laughs> and they check again. Right. Most of us wreck poker wrecks would just check back with our straight. But I think that's a big mistake.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good spot for a bet fold. That's a spot where you can... Like
1: just a small bet. No, we have to target an ace here. They call their bet. We're targeting an ace. We have to bet small enough to get an ace to call.
0: And then we just have to be comfortable folding um, when they shove, if they check raise, uh, if if they're the kind of player that we think is only ever going to be doing that with a flush. And a flush would be consistent. Um, with that action, and so would the ace. Uh, would, a, hands, would a
1: flush which... be consistent though when they call your turn bet and they can again check the river? I
2: don't think, think they. I think they probably. I I personally would probably bet out on the river if I right. all of a sudden flushed on the, right. on, the, on the river because right. I wouldn't be confident that you're going to be putting out a bet. Right. So I would lose my. I would lose any opportunity to put any more money into the pot. So I might put out a bet just to get you to call. So you With always have it on the roadway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They do. Do. I don't always. <laughs> <laughs> <They> don't. <laughs> so anyway.
0: then if we, if we do bet small on the river, so let's, it gets called the Jack of diamonds comes on the river. They check to us. If we do bet small, according to that logic, then... If not
1: too they, small. I'm not talking about too small. Like, I'm talking oh, no, no, about no. 40%. Sure. Like, no. like something that looks like a value bet, but okay, I'm going to call with my ace or my yeah. ace. Whatever, right?
0: Well, so. it would be nice, yeah, because we're still crushing two pair there. So, they could even have gotten, like, the ace jack and, you know, rivered yeah. the two pair. I love that idea. Um, are we... If they do choose to check raise this river, then, um, are we calling? Are we folding? Because if if, if we think this player leads a lot of their flushes on the river and they don't don't check because they're worried about losing value, they can't have many flushes left in their check raising range. Or are they just only ever doing it with flushes anyway, so we just have to fold no matter what?
1: I think you have to call when you're only this deep with all that money in the pot. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, think that, I think crazy. that a
1: really good, a good player can do this with a king of diamonds in his hand.
3: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What's the right. SPR? At, at, I mean, we were at 15, 29,000s in the pot.
1: They could have a right. king and queen with the king of diamonds in their hand.
0: Yeah. Some players... Right some players will do that and especially if you make the the river bet too small then some players will see that as weakness and choose to check raise with with a bluff like that a nut blocker um yeah that that makes sense although i think the reason i chosen this player to three bet light against was because i i don't think i thought they were the kind of player that would check raise me with a nut blocker on the river um so I would, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's so, it's so villain dependent, isn't it? Uh, it is. That's Kim, where it my it like, come in. Yeah. So it sounds like you'd be comfortable getting it in there on that action. Um, Rob, I know you tend to believe players on the river um, a little more. And, uh, but as you say, Rob, if you think they're leading out those flushes, what do you, That's what, what the do thing. they have in their check raising range there?
2: Well, yeah, that's the thing. If they're leading out their flushes, they don't have a flush if they're check raising. Right. I think what if they had led into you, I would be more prone to potentially fold.
0: I see, I see, I see. Cuz they're only ever doing it with uh a with flush, flush
2: at that point. That's a it's, good point. Yeah. I would I would interpret it that way. Now, that might be a little nitty, but even even though I have the Broadway now, I have no diamonds in my hand. Right. And there's and there that flush came in and he called if he called on the turn that size bet then he has something.
0: Mhm. 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 And that is I, one of the things I like about the sizing up a little bit on the turn is when they do continue it it does inform you a bit about the strength of their range. You can fold more comfortably uh, when when players have proceeded through a large bet sizing of yours, just because they're not doing that as light, so they just have more value in their range when it comes time to to lead that. All right, well, I uh, I'm glad that we talked about this. I think this notion of sort of getting king high to showdown um, on ace high boards. Or let or let me ask the panel one I, more question I, before we get. Hang out on, yeah. before
1: we get into that, when when we were talking about our scenario of betting, I think yes. that the river's an all-in. I just ran it because of the size of the pot. I think mm. our our half pot bets an all-in anyways. So. Okay. <laughs> oh <So> yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's, that's why I was asking the
3: SPR. I thought we were yeah. pretty close to right. two to one already. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I think it's a moot point of getting raised. We don't have to worry about getting raised. We yeah, can just, good point right if they lead we would call yeah. and if they check we can
0: just go all in i think the reason i brought this hand is oh sorry yeah eric please
3: oh it's just another reason why you bet a little bigger on the turn cuz it it threatens the
0: all in on the on the river yeah i think uh yeah. one of the reasons i brought this hand in was because i was uncomfortable on every street <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't i didn't feel good about any not not my play but just like my situation um it's a it's not a strong hand to be three betting with even though i like it as a three bet sometimes because it's got good qualities to make it so i didn't like that flop um i didn't really like the turn i didn't like what my opponent's range would look like if they continued to any of my bets so i really felt uncomfortable in basically every spot. And uh, that probably contributed to my sizing up on the turn too, because I just like really wanted some folds. Um,
2: But I think that's a bit of a leak. And
0: and I did. Yeah. So they did fold and we won the hand and there, there is no everything on the river is completely academic because we just collected the pot on the turn. But I think that's, I was working with a coaching uh, client earlier today and they also tend to kind of size up, when they want people to fold (laughs) and that's obviously exploitable if you're if people are paying attention to that that this you know players make bigger bets and and raises if they're trying to get folds um so it's something that if you're playing against thinking players you do need to kind of have that balance in mind when it comes to using sizing that's consistent with with strong and weak holdings um and i think we also kind of i don't think
3: that's much of an issue in a life international tournament like the like you're in though just because you're not going to play enough hands with these players that yeah you might get 50 hands with them and how many times are you going to see bet
0: yep in those 50
2: hands yep
0: yep yeah that's a good point that's a good point
2: um alive is a totally different animal because of that i mean it's very hard for people to get a feel for your frequencies your bet sizings you know i i look at different types of bet sizings in different situations to see how, you know, the type of player that I'm playing against, because you'll see different, you know, you'll see some bet sizing that you kind of scratch your head. What what was he doing that with, you know? And so you, you know, in those circumstances and you get kind of a feel for the way the player is, but I don't Mm -hmm. think, I don't think if you're playing a, a normal bet size, which you did, I don't know that anybody's going to get anything from that. If you had bet three quarters pot mm-hmm. at, on the turn, I think that would have been totally fine too. I would have been totally fine. Everybody, every, you know, and you could, if, if you bet that big, you were very, you're polarizing your range, right? right? You either have something really strong or you have air and, and that's, that's what you're telling the guy. And he has to, He has to have a little bit of guts to be able to call a bet that big, because you have either have it or you don't, and he doesn't know.
0: Yeah, great point. And particularly in a tournament like this, I think there's there's more fold equity than we're used to, um, because people. Uh,
2: The problem with that, if he does call, then you got just a half. You don't even have a half pot bet left anymore. Yeah. So that that's I think more importantly, we need to consider the pot size dynamics when we're choosing our bet sizing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think Eric is one that professes that quite a bit, um, as far as you know, making sure that you have that right amount of chips at the end. Yeah, it's like playing
3: chess. You have to think two or three moves ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's and great, that's great.
1: one of the reasons your sizing was good because it looks like you're setting up for the river shove as yeah. well.
3: Yep. Yep.
0: and that is something I try and do, and I tell my coaching clients this all the time. Every time you're considering making a bet or calling a bet, you should visualize if this bet gets called, how much is going to be in the pot and how much is going to be in the effective stack. And if you just think about that quickly. Every time you're making a bet or considering calling a bet, it's really going to be helpful when you're thinking about, okay, maybe I should size up or down, or maybe I just have to shove here instead of calling because there's not going to be enough behind on the river, um, uh, or maybe I have to fold. Uh, So I always encourage everyone to think about if this bet gets called, how much will be in the pot? And what will be the what will be the effective stack uh, behind at that point? Because that can be a real time saver and a chip saver.
3: Another one that catches people all the time is to ask what will happen when it gets raised. Mm. Some people just throw out that C bet and say, "Oh boy, I just got check raised. What do I do now?" <laughs> yeah, now
0: what do I do? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah well, you said it, Eric. It's like uh, playing chess. Think, think a few moves ahead. Um, and that's yeah, not you just know, a check; it's a check call or a check fold. That's right. That's right. And uh, if people can think about going a few more branches down that decision tree with their actions, then they'll they'll be rewarded in the long run, uh, for sure. And that uh, some of that just comes with reps, just playing more poker, getting more familiar with uh, that process. But I think that's a really good point, Eric. All right. Anything else here, folks, before we uh, wrap this puppy up? Good All morning, right. Well.
1: Are we all finished with your hand histories from the main?
0: <laughs> uh this is yeah this is the last one I had um I've got more hands in my notes but they were pretty cut and dried. I was doing a lot of uh a lot of these kind of three bets and getting a lot of folds. So there there's a, there's maybe we'll do one more. There's another hand where I had king queen uh of hearts and or you can uh, bring
1: it to my hand history.
0: That's a good one. Here I'm I'll make a little note. To put that one in the uh, in Kim's pet vet's hand history group, and we can talk about it on the fourth Thursday of the month at seven thirty Eastern. I think that's right. All right. Well, thanks, Kim and Eric and Rob, and of course uh, uh, Mark Brashan at Website Amp and the Running Ace's Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and uh, everyone who posts in the forums and you, the listeners. Appreciate it so much. See you soon.